1: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God.
0: And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the
1: redeemed. Well, once again, we're on the Tuesday edition of the podcast. And we're certainly thankful for each of you that listen. thankful for those of you that have tuned in. We're in the middle of Vacation Bible School. And I failed to mention that on yesterday's podcast, but we are at Vacation Bible School in Blaine, Pennsylvania, at the Manasseh Community Baptist Church. And we started on Sunday night and then ran through Wednesday night, each night at 6.30, finished at about 8.30. I know Pastor Black himself will be teaching on hymns and songwriters. And so I'm certainly looking forward to that, hearing some of that. I'll be teaching the teen class, a little bit older class, one session, and then be doing the opening and closing. We have other families involved. The Moose family are teaching some of the young ones, and our uh, faithful Sunday school teacher, Miss Kitty Harris, will be teaching the young children as well. And then we have a craft. We have all kinds of folks involved. And Historically, we've had quite a few have come to Bible school, and so we're looking for that. So if you need somewhere for children to go to vacation Bible school, and maybe just want to stop in. We'll be glad to have you. That's at the Manassas Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. And so pray for our Bible school. And then, Lord willing, this coming Sunday, we'll be back over at Mont Alto, Pennsylvania, at Mont Alto Community Park, preaching the pavilion. Outdoor public witness, public service, and a testimony of Jesus Christ. So we're looking forward to that. We thank the Lord for the folks in Mont Alto, their faithfulness for all of these years. Pastor Shank, his wife recently had passed away. And so we certainly try to honor her and honor her life as a pastor's wife for all of those years. Mother Shank's been faithful to the word of God. And so we're glad to go help them, try to be a blessing, try to be a a minister unto them, as they've also been a great blessing to us over the years. So pray for us on Sunday as we head to the services. Pray folks to come out. I know there's a great need. I can't drop hints or say names, but just a couple young men that need to be in the service. Would you pray that God would direct their paths and God would pressure them and awaken them on Sunday morning to be in the house of God. Psalm 69, we've said much in Psalm 69. I guess I never imagined it would be in part four of Psalm 69, but that's where we are. In verse 21, the Word of God says this, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Now, don't forget this. This is to the chief musician upon Shoshanam, a psalm of David. And so David, again, that great prophet of God, is prophesying, he's testifying, he is singing of these great things concerning Jesus Christ. This is a great Messianic psalm, uh, one of the better Messianic psalms, one of the stronger Messianic psalms, easily identified. The Word of God said this in Matthew 27 and verse 34, they gave him vinegar to drink and mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And when he calls unto God, the lama, lama, sabachthani, where that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's fulfillment of Psalm 22 and verse 1. Verse 48 says, straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And so we see the word of God fulfilled. Now, again, Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And it's so important to understand that every place that Jesus... And by the way, I've not seen them all. I would be crazy to think I've seen them all. I would be out of sorts to tell you I've seen every place where Jesus Christ is mentioned in the Old Testament. I'm trying to learn. I would like to see them all. To be honest, I would have liked to have been there. If nothing else, a fly on the wall. When in Luke chapter 24, Jesus Christ expounded unto his disciples... All the things in the scriptures concerning himself. I would have loved to have been there that day. I've said from the pulpit many times across America. I've said that they were there quite a while when Jesus Christ spake of those things. They were there for a long time listening to the word of God, Jesus Christ, expounding the scriptures concerning himself. And what a blessing that would have been. But this is one of those places. In my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. So two fulfillments, two separate occasions in the scripture, one psalm, two fulfillments. They gave him gall, mingled with vinegar, and he refused it. And then when he said he thirsted, they gave him vinegar on that sponge to drink. So two times at Calvary, one psalm is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he died according to the scriptures. He said in verse 22, let their table become a snare before them. And that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. And so again, these are things concerning not just the children of Israel, although oftentimes this is for the Jew, but it's just Jesus Christ and prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. And we see that all through the scripture in verse 9 of Romans 11. And David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see, and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. And that is what he's speaking here. Why? Because God has opened a way to the Gentiles, because he came to his own, his own received him not. So let me read this prophecy again. Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. And that is the snare that he speaks of earlier in this text and in other texts we referenced yesterday on the podcast. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not and make their loins continually to shake. Pour out thine indignation upon them and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. Verse 25, he said this, let their habitation be desolate and let none dwell in their tents. And so is their habitation desolate? Yes, their habitation is desolate. Why? Because of the prophecy of Jesus Christ. He's come to his own, but his own will not receive him. He's come to his own. His own do not want to believe him. And that's why Jesus Christ, in verse 37 of Matthew 23, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you, desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Prophecy, prophecy fulfilled, prophecy fulfilled in Jesus Christ, Messianic Psalms, David, the prophet of God. We reiterate this over and over and over that others might see Christ, that they might see Jesus Christ in the word of God. He said in verse 26 of Psalm 69, for they persecute him whom thou hast smitten. And they talk to the grief of those whom thou hast wounded. Now, several places in the word of God, one of those I continually go to. In verse 11 of Job 16, he says, God hath delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over into the hands of the wicked. I was at ease, but he hath broken me asunder. Isaiah 53. And again, just the word of God. He says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He also told us in that same text of the Lord that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. When he made his soul an offering for sin, it pleased the Lord to bruise the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see other prophets concurring with what the Word of God said, but then we see that in the person of Jesus Christ. For they persecute him whom thou hast smitten, and they talk to the grief of those whom thou hast wounded. And so God himself has wounded Jesus Christ. God himself has smitten Jesus Christ. He is that perfume of Exodus chapter 30, beaten small in the tabernacle of God, That perfume that's beaten small is a sweet odor in the nostrils of God. It's a sweet aroma in the presence of God. That's why it pleased the Lord to bruise his son. It's more than a picture. It's more than a type. He is that which is beaten small. And so it's important to understand scripture. Line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, he said, and there a little, that they may be snared and fall back and take him. How does God do that? line upon line line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And might I just say to you, my friend, I'm beginning to learn these things. I don't have great depth of knowledge in these things. I am just beginning to understand Jesus Christ in the scriptures. I would hesitate to say I've learned 1% of it. I would hesitate to say I've learned 0.5% of 1% of it. I preached a message on the soul of Jesus Christ, and I used, of course, that Burnt offering in the book of Leviticus, and I talked about the soul of Jesus Christ, that fat, and uh, the the fat above the kidneys, the call above the liver, the kidneys themselves, the reins, the inner workings, and I talked about that great offering of God. how it's taken to a separate place, and when I finished, uh, an, an elderly lady, and I do mean a lady well over eighty years old, she came up to me and she said, "Brother McVeigh, she said, you know, I've heard very few men over the years ever preach that doctrine." She said, "My husband was a pastor for many years, and he believed that doctrine." And I said, "Well, ma'am, I thank the Lord for that. I'm glad he." And she said, "He went for decades; men despising him and, and, and wouldn't talk to him, and, and called him a heretic because he believed the soul of Jesus Christ was offered for sin in hell." And she said, "Well, finally, he was at a meeting one day, and another man preached that doctrine." She and they became friends after that, and this man had been a Bible teacher, a professor of theology at Bob Jones University in the fifties and the sixties, and he believed this doctrine. He believed the Word of God, and he told this lady. Told me, she said, that man told my husband there were men few and far between. But this is what she said: but men are beginning to have their eyes open to the Word of God. They're beginning to see the work of God. What happened? Well, German rationalism, intellectualism, men not operating by faith, but operating off of friendships and education and 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 who they listen to and who they watch and gleaning from certain men, rejecting other men based on personage, based on percentages, based on finances, based on dislikes, based on personality, all of those things that factor in. And they say, well... He must be a heretic in this area. Therefore, if he's teaching this, he must be wrong also. And they would just go and throw the baby right out with the bathwater rather than realizing there are good men that have bad doctrine. There are men that are tremendous Bible teachers. They might have one or two things that are absolute folly to them. It will be their downfall. It will be their destruction. I would like to think I have right doctrine, but the things that I'm doctrinally incorrect in, they will come back to haunt me. They will come back to bite me. They will come back to, to chasten me. I was reading of the recently the great preacher, Peter Cartwright, and everybody touts Peter Cartwright, the great circuit-riding preacher of Kentucky and Ohio, the Ohio River Valley. He, he really, where I was born, is where Peter Cartwright would range and preach the gospel. And even Peter Cartwright in his own biography would write of things that we would call heresy today, yet there's no doubt that many were converted under his ministry. And so men's eyes will begin to be open to the purity of this King James Bible. They begin to be open to the words of Jesus Christ. They begin to realize you can trust this King James Bible, but it's a slow, tedious process for most. They've been told they can't trust this book. But yet here we see in the Psalms, you can trust this book. The New Testament reiterates exactly what the Psalms wrote some 800 years before, 700 years before. And they're reiterating exactly in the person of Jesus Christ, what the psalmist had written about their habitation be desolate and let none dwell in their tents for they persecute him whom they have smitten. They talk to the grief of those whom now has wounded Add iniquity unto their iniquity and let them not come into thy righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. That's Psalm 50, by the way, in verse three, and he says, our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. That's our God. That's our Savior. But I am poor and sorrowful. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. And then the psalmist says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. And by the way, that's what's taking place here, the praise in the name of God with a song. We call them the psalms, is to be sung, is to be chanted, is to be played on instruments. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hooves. Why? Because Jesus Christ is that offering. He's the fulfillment of the law of God. And therefore, it's much more pleasing to the Lord to bruise his son than it ever was to offer an ox or a bullock, the horns, the hooves, a lamb, a sheep, a goat. It's much more pleasing to the Son of God to be offered for sin. The humble shall see this, verse 32, and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. And by the way, don't dispensationalize that. My goodness, don't throw that away in a dispensation. If men seek God, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That is New Testament. That's not prophecy. That's not dispensational. What is the reward? The reward is Jesus Christ. The reward is finding him. And I know immediately some naysayer says, well, there's none that seeketh after God. Yet it's not contradicting. Once men have been enlightened to the truth of the word of God, they are obligated to seek God. I'll say naturally, man does not seek after God. By nature, man does not seek after God. Yet man is commanded to seek after God. When his eyes are open to the realization there's a God in heaven and he does not know that great God, he is obligated to seek God. And the reward of God is to them that diligently seek him. The reward is Jesus Christ and his salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. And here the psalmist told you to seek God. Your heart shall live to seek God. You'll no longer be dead in trespasses and sins. You'll be quick and Because you seek God. That's a promise of God. And by the way, he's telling you that in a messianic psalm. What God do you seek? You're seeking Jesus Christ. You're seeking a person. You're trying to find a person. It's Jesus Christ. He's not lost. You're lost. He's not lost. You are. And yet he's close enough that he can easily be found if you'll seek him. For the Lord heareth the poor, despiseth not his prisoners. Let the heaven and earth praise him. The seas and everything that moveth therein. For God will save Zion and will build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and have it in possession. The seed also of his servants shall inherit it, and they that love his name shall dwell therein. Now we stepped into a whole new realm of prophecy. That psalm begins with Jesus Christ. That psalm ends with Jesus Christ. It's jumped from Calvary. It's jumped to this day of grace that we can have a relationship with him, that we can know him. We don't have to be desolate. We don't have to be comfortless. We don't have to be unrighteous. We can know Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. But then he jumps to the future. That time will rule and will reign with. Him. He said, if we suffer with him now, we'll also reign with him. What a great promise of God in that city. Jerusalem, Mount Zion, in that city on the sides of the north, the city of the great king, that wonderful promise of Jesus Christ to all that believe. Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ? If you believe in that name, my friend, you're secured in Christ. He'll make you holy. He'll give you comfort. He'll make you righteous. He'll put you in His family. He'll give you that spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, "Abba, Father." It may not have helped anybody else, but as I helped to me these last couple of weeks, to God be all the praise, the honor, and the glory. Hope you have a great day.
0: There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You
1: have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McBay. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and some and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for daily doctrine, Evangelist Tim McBay, on iTunes. And remember to look up, for there your was redemption dwelleth where
0: all There only was strife. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.